Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. An absolute beaut of a show, dude. An absolute beaut. Going to rip up, talk Joe Judge out in New York. What does that mean for Daniel Jones? Going to walk through our NFL awards, coach of the year, executive of the year, D-Roy, O-Roy, all that stuff. Preview the wild card games. Then Nate Tice is going to join the show from the Athletic Football Show podcast, also from Bleacher Reports Draft Rankings. And then we got Mailbag, and then we got Trivia. And an interview, or no interviews at the back end here. Just Nate Tice joining the show. Should be an absolute treat. Let's get it. Joe Judge is out in New York, Mike. He's gone. It's over. We're screwed. The third and nine call, maybe that was a part of it. Maybe it was, you know, the you know, you had veterans retiring in the preseason. You have him, you know, veterans running laps in the preseason. There was a lot of things that kind of probably led to this, right? Like 10 and 23 in his tenure in New York, 4 and 13 this past season. Ultimately, does not pan out in New York for Joe Judge. Gettleman retiring, retiring. Joe Judge fired. My biggest thing is like, you, you, it's hard to speak to like what Joe Judge did, right? I think he obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but like he, when you're as sharp of a coach, right? When you are, sh- it's you- very easy to speak to what Joe Judge did, to be honest. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, I guess I, I just feel that Joe Judge is taking 99.9% of the hits when Gettleman is responsible for so much of this. Daniel Jones pick, Saquon Barkley pick. How they've spent in free agency. Like, this roster wasn't good. And I'm not saying Judge did all the right things. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't think we should be shifting 99% of the blame on Joe Judge. Like, Joe Judge came in hard-nosed, had a culture that you either like or you don't. And I'll tell you what, the Belichick way, right? Everyone talks about the Belichick way and it's not working. Brian Flores fired. Joe Judge fired. Matt Patricia fired. Never works. The Bill Belichick way doesn't work when you lose. That's a fact. Like, that's it. Like, the Bill Belichick way just does not work when you lose. Because if you come in hard-nosed and you have fucking 35-year-old dudes running laps when they drop a ball, it's not going to work when you're 4-13 and 13 or 10-23 and 23 as he's been. So I do think that the Belichick way has been throwing a lot of shade because, like, no one's been able to replicate the on-field success. And oftentimes these coaches are going to bad football teams with bad rosters. So I'm not out on the Belichick way by any means. What I'm more out on is just the position he was put in, right, with Gettleman in this roster, and then just failing to do, like, even the little things to keep this thing afloat, right? He lost a lot of, I'm assuming he lost a lot of respect in that locker room for the way he approached things and, like, his hard-nosed mentality to a point where ownership ultimately couldn't move forward. Yeah, I just don't see the, you know, the edges that Joe Judge was giving you. Yeah. You know, he obviously struggled to identify coordinator talent, assistant coach talent. They had some of the poor, most poorly coached offensive line play in the past two years. That's true. Disaster of, you know, Jason hiring Jason Garrett as your OC, just not recognizing the landscape of the NFL and where it's going. And yeah, he's hamstrung by Dave Gettleman. And looking at this list of players on the Giants right now that are making $10-plus million a year is an absolute Travis. abomination. Logan Ryan, Sterling Shepard, Blake Martinez, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay, Leonard Williams. They could lose six of those guys, and that roster wouldn't even feel it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, how know? many how many more wins do they have? It's like it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. That was just malpractice the way he was throwing money around as a GM. Like the Galladay, who was he bidding against in that $18 million deal this offseason? No one. Like that was a 
that, that was just poor. It was definitely poorly managed. But then also, like Joe Judge provided, like I said, no edges, that, like in terms of just culture that he was building. And yeah, he kept saying that he was building a culture, but no one from the outside believed it. No one from, no the, from inside the inside was, believed was it. vouching yeah. for it either. So there is, I I said the only the only reason to keep Joe Judge there is because 2022 has to be a reset year. Yeah. You're in a shitty cap situation. 2022 has to be kind of a clean house on shit. Some of those veteran contracts I just talked about, clean house on those, reset this roster. You got a lot of draft picks. It's not going to be good. Overnight. Yeah. The, the coach that they bring up. in has to be someone they're willing to give a long leash to, yes. right? Like you, you cannot bring in someone that you're only committed to one year or two years for. Like this is not going to turn around overnight. And you've already seen reports now. I think owner came, the owner came out and said, you know, everyone's on the table here. You know, we're not we're not committing to anyone as a starter in 2022. Not Saquon Barkley, not Daniel Jones. We're allowing this person to come in whether when when the GM is hired and then when the GM is going to be hired, right? They said that, and then one that the GM will then pick the coach. That new era that new regime probably needs to reset at multiple positions including the players that you just spoke to they're all obviously high paid but i wanted to before we get into the nfl awards and all that stuff use this as an opportunity to talk about daniel jones i posted my first tiktok it was you about did. daniel jones it was about though. joe judge i have i think 30 followers now the race is on to have the most tiktok followers people are dunking on me already 12 year olds are saying i'm stupid and i'm ugly but you're gonna bounce back here i'm gonna bounce back daniel jones if you can't take some cyberbullying, you, you weren't cut out for it exactly I, I i own it i need it well, what I was saying on this TikTok and what I'm saying now is that you have to, in my opinion, take a quarterback at either number five or number seven if you feel one of these guys is an upgrade over Daniel Jones. Because it just does not make sense. Here's, here's the thing, because here's a counter-argument from Giants fans to not do that. No, we need offensive line. Use number five on Linderbaum and number seven on Karloftis, build up this team, improve this team, and then get your quarterback. You do that and play Daniel Jones behind an improved roster and ideally like an improved head coach, you're going to go 6 and 10, 11 next year, 7 and 10. And at that point, you're out on the quarterback class. And then you got to make a decision on Daniel Jones, who's in the final year of his contract, right? Like everyone talks about, like, no, you know, all these Giants fans, when I mentioned that, were saying, can't do that. Build up this roster and take a quarterback next year. You're only guaranteed the draft slot you have now, right? And if you go into next year, you could play yourself into purgatory where you might not have an opportunity at a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or one of these top 2023 signal callers. And at that point, you end up making a freaking trade for Sam Darnold or some dumb shit, right? Like you end up doing something dumb because you're not in a position to take one of these top signal callers. So improving slightly with number five and number seven by grabbing, say, Evan Neal and George Karloftis, or whoever it is, I just don't think is the route Giants need to take. They don't need to improve slightly. They need to improve rapidly. And that starts with taking shots at the quarterback position. That starts with taking shots if they like a Ritter, a Corral, a Howell, a Willis, or any of these guys more than they like the prospects of Daniel Jones actually developing in his, what, fourth year into a starting caliber quarterback. Yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. Like, but the thing is, you are a new GM. Kind of have a leash. Where it's like, oh, we can stay with Daniel Jones, and then you get that quarterback next year, too. Yeah. Or, I'm, I'm saying if you get that quarterback next year... But like you, you got to hope that, that you're tra drafting inside the top five again. Well, I'm saying if you have that quarterback now, though, that's your leash is tied okay. to that quarterback. Yeah. You know, if you draft him fifth overall, I get you. You're tied to him, kind of like Gettleman was with Daniel Jones. But if you get him second year, which I think that was actually Daniel Jones's Gettleman second year, you get a little bit longer. So, so maybe they're in more of an opportunity than, and I think that's a good counter argument, right? And I think if ownership's like the quarterback you take in this class is your guy, and if he doesn't pan out, you're out. Then I'd be a little bit wary, right? Because this quarterback class isn't as good as previous years. But maybe they're one of these teams, right? Even with two top 10 picks, trade out of one of them 
and maybe pick up one of these guys at the back end of the first and back end of the or top of the second where the commitment isn't top 10 caliber, right? Like I do think that they would be absolutely foolish with the state of this cap space, right? They're bottom five in cap space, bottom five next year to not get a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Like one of these guys back into the first, if you trade down top of the second, get a picket, get a howl, get someone to compete with Daniel Jones. It's not Jake Fromm. It's not Mike Glennon. Go get someone that can actually compete toe to toe and at least like swing a bat at that position. But that's where my head's at. I think New York wants to improve elsewhere, wants to you know bank on Daniel Jones improving under this new leadership. But I don't think you can stop taking swings at the quarterback position, especially with how little Daniel Jones has honestly progressed, right? Like how much would you say Daniel Jones has improved from a rookie? I would honestly say he hasn't. Like has he, has he gotten any better from his rookie campaign to now from a production standpoint? A little. Okay. But Fair. not too much. Not too much. That was the, he was the, so we're going to talk about it with like Mac, with Nate Tice later, about yeah. Mac Jones, kind of like where's the improvement? areas that was daniel jones coming out you know it looks I mean, he like was he's seen NFL as a third round pick out of duke pff had him as a third round oh, pick yeah, okay yeah i was like he was not a third round yeah pick, he was never six third round. uh but it's like he was nfl ready a lot of things that he needed to do in the nfl he was already capable of it was just where can you go from there mm-hmm. like we guys who don't you know how to know how to sell fakes guys who don't know how to manipulate a pocket but have like talent in other ways and then if they learn how to make blade pocket, learn how to sell face better, all these other things, they can go higher. Dale Jones, I don't know where the room is to grow. Last like, thing to- on the catch and early buzz, now that we're done burying the Giants and Daniel Jones, SpeakPipe, we're going to get the voicemails today. If you have not done it, go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate, or it's a link in the description. Leave there, leave your voicemails there. We're going to bonus mailbag episodes next week. Wednesday and Thursday covering mailbag. Definitely get your voice in there. Weight update, officially 179 this morning. You love to see it. We continue to go down. TikTok update, I'm blowing you out of the water. Got my first TikTok up. So those awards are coming down the pike there. Let's get to the NFL awards. And before we do, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. New presenting sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast is none other than Manscaped. Manscaped, new year, new me. No, sorry, rated R read. New year, no pubes with manscaped.com, which you just love to see. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsor at Manscaped is here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set the first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's our presenting sponsor. No pubes in 2022, baby. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped and use code PFF. It's New Year. No pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. How's the New Year been treating you? Been great. No pubes? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, NFL Awards. Start with MVP. Yes, sir. It's Aaron Rodgers. And let me give you the stat line. Everyone, Steve Palazzola wrote a great article on PFF.com that threw a lot of stats at you. And a lot of good stats about why Tom Brady is better than Aaron Rodgers. Been, more, been better than Aaron Rodgers this year. And I do agree if you're taking value at its face in terms of just like value is points, your, how your plays led to more points, whatever. Tom Brady has maybe given more value, total, total value. But Aaron Rodgers was most valuable when it counted most. By that, I mean Aaron Rodgers did not have a lot of opportunities in 
it, when it was basically garbage time, Aaron Rodgers wasn't running up scores. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a lot of times where he had to come from behind in the fourth quarter and had obvious pass situations leading, you know, two-minute drill-type drives down the stretch that lead to more pass success historically. It's easier to pass in those situations, has been. Aaron Rodgers, when games were not decided, this statistic right here, when games were within 20 to 80% win probability either way, when it was basically not game over. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers' EPA per play was 0.323. Tom Brady's EPA per play was 0.183. Wow. Damn near double. Aaron Rodgers was very good, would bury teams early, and then coast. That was what he did. And that's why they have the number one seed in the NFC, is because he did not need to be great in... Blowouts. Yes. So, Tom Brady, great season. Aaron Rodgers, MVP. PFF did a great article, specifically Doug Kide on PFF.com, where they interviewed or Doug polled all the analysts at PFF and talked to multiple league sources about who should be the MVP. The consensus among league sources was obviously Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a consensus in betting markets as well. He did talk to an exec that felt really good about Tom Brady and also give Joe Burrow his due. The official voting poll at PFF, 46% Rodgers, 42% Brady, and then there were some others that voted for Burrow and Herbert, 4%. Herbert, 8% Burrow. I was one of the Burrows. I like Joe Burrow for MVP. Same. And he's not. <laughs> Quinn's obviously on board. And like, he statistically, I don't think even comes close to Tom Brady, right? If you're the fact that you're choosing Joe Burrow is the only reason for that is because he's more important to the Bengals than maybe Brady is to the Bucks or Rodgers is to the Packers. And what Burrow has done, not just to overcome like a bad offensive line, the injury that he had last year, but also his own coaching staff and how he's been positioned with, you know, Zach Taylor running the football time early downs. And like we've talked about that ad nauseum. Joe Burrow, in my opinion, you take him off the Bengals. I don't know if they win two games. Like, do, do, do they win two, three games? Well, if you're like, yeah, if it's Brandon Allen, I don't know if the Packers win two games if you take, if you're starting Jordan Love. I, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Weeks. But I mean, but, I, I still feel that what Joe Burrow has done this year, and I think a lot of it also comes after like, and it's why he's more deserving for comeback player of the year, which I believe he's the favorite for, or Dak is, it's close. Like, I just feel like coming back from that injury, right? Like, it's a huge, huge thing. Comes back and balls out. And he's literally the number two graded quarterback behind Tom Brady. I think Aaron Rodgers ranks four or five in PFF grade. But like you said, that's the, the PFF grade at its face value does not take in garbage time, just like passer rating doesn't, just like yards per attempt doesn't. Um, I, I can get behind the Rodgers pick. I'm not like, are you kidding me? It's Joe Burrow. Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve a vote. It's like all three of these quarterbacks have played well. You have to give it to one of them, right? Like you're not mm-hmm. talking about Jonathan Taylor. You're not talking about Cooper Cup. It's it's one of those three. And I think I'd, like, I'd lean Burrow, but I'm not going to be like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers, are you kidding me? So I think Aaron Rodgers is ultimately going to win it and, and probably the right pick when it's all said and done. But I'm still sticking Burrow. Well, you just said probably the right pick. I'm, I'm sticking Burrow. I'm sticking mind. Burrow. I'm sticking Burrow for Quinn. For Quinn. Plus, because I'm also going to thank you absolutely bury the Bengals in our preview of the Raids. Uh, <laughs> offensive Player of the Year. I think the, right now it's between Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. I originally, you know, said Cooper Cup, and he's been phenomenal this year. The Triple Crown. That's graphics been thrown around a thousand times. Receiving yards, receptions, and receiving touchdowns this year. Like you should probably give it to him. But I'm going to show some running backs some love. Oh, I'm, I'm going Jonathan Taylor, Offensive Player of the Year. Behind an offensive line that has battled injuries all year long and with a quarterback that teams legitimately are laughing at behind the scenes and clown masks at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. So what Jonathan Taylor has done this year has been truly special in a league where no no one runs bell cow shit anymore. You know, no, it's committee across the board to get a guy to 
have as many touches as he did, be it just not only a bell cow on the ground game, but also be heavily involved as a receiver. Jonathan Taylor, my offensive player of the year, showing some love to running backs here at PFF. John Taylor, very good. He would be third in my offensive player. <gasps> oh, you're going to put Trent Williams in there and be special? Trent Williams. I'm going to do the PFF, uh, what is it, hipster take. I'm going to be that guy. That's what PFF was founded on. You have on. to do this when you do it. I Contrarian. I have to be different because I work at PFF now. But Trent Williams. <laughs> This he was it was the best tackle play I've seen since I started grading at PFF here in 2013. He, he just was that good, straight up every single game, physically on another level than anything we've ever seen in his early to mid 30s. And I think that's like I think he's finally healthy. It's so many years just being banged up that we saw him, and now he still was banged up a little bit this year. But we saw him 15 games, 98.3 overall grade, the highest we ever get into an offense tackle. That was, I mean, he was fucking the, the best. Like I said, Cooper Cup, not the best wide receiver season I've seen. Jonathan Taylor, not the best running back season I've seen in my grading here. Trent Williams, though, that was the best tackle season I've seen. He has been phenomenal. I think he'll finish the year with like so many PFF awards. PFF award show, I think, is. If you're listening to this now, this comes out Thursday. So it aired last night on YouTube where we pick MVP, Dwight Stevenson Award, which is kind of our version of the Heisman and Offensive Player of the Year and Best Lineman. I think he wins all four of those awards for BFF on that one that aired last night. But we're recording here 5 o'clock on Wednesday before the show. Defensive Player of the Year. Aaron Donald has been PFF's picks nearly across the board. It ultimately got Sam Monson doxxed, which I didn't know what doxxed was. He like you know sent me a slack and he's like, I just got doxxed for the first time. I was like, dude, is this, what does that mean? <laughs> and then he's, apparently it's when someone posts your address online. Who the hell? And he said it was because he's dropped a tweet thread about why TJ Watt shouldn't be named the defense player of the year over Miles mm -hmm. Garrett or Aaron Donald. And someone legitimately like researched his name and in that thread dropped his address. I've talked about fandom on this show a lot. Like that is a like the the bell curve of like sadistic crazy shit. It's like that's the far end, right? Like that is insane. Like this is it's such a talk. The NFL has done an insane, marvelous, well-executed job at creating like win, loser, tie, tattoo the Pittsburgh Steelers shield on my neck. I will dox a dude's home if TJ Watts not the if he says not 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 votes. Not, he doesn't have a vote says T.J. Watt's not Defensive Player of the Year. So that was kind of wild. And we've talked a lot about the T.J. Watt stuff, but Aaron Donald's still my pick. The most valuable defensive player in football, according to PFFs, wins above replacement metric, also the highest-graded defender. Like, I, I can't go any other way here. As good as T.J. Watt was, right? Again, you're talking about a lot of talented players. Garrett, Watt, Donald, all played really well. I like, I like Donald over them all. That's the thing. If this was Aaron Donald's second year in the NFL and he had, like, a ho-hub rookie season, people would be caking their pants over this Aaron Donald season. He had the most run stops of any defensive lineman in the NFL. 15 sacks from defensive tackle. People would be like, holy shit, a defense tackle? They're not supposed to get 15 sacks in a season. What's he doing? Who is this guy? But 1,000 snaps, why he doesn't come off the field. Where did this guy come from? But it's because this is your seven of him doing it. People are just like, oh, got to go somewhere else. It's no. Ward is one i mean should, should no basically i don't know what the fuck i'm trying to say here I'm, i lost <laughs> my train of thought no just like any prior knowledge any whatever should not factor into what happened this season what happened this season was aaron donald was the most dominant defensive force in football still so give me your Donald defense player yeah. you love to see it
offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year, I think we can speed through. I don't think there's, unless you're rooting for Mac Jones here, I'm, I'm in Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons camp. I think those guys both ultimately win. And I think those two are the rightful winners of the awards. Yeah, I... You could debate Slater, right? Like maybe Rashawn Slater, maybe Creed Humphrey, who's graded really well as a rookie. But from a value perspective, if you throw value into it, I think it's it's not even close. I mean, Jamar Chase is the offensive rookie of the year. That's I think Jamar Chase, for what he did. Now, again, I would consider Slater, would definitely consider Creed Humphrey. Those guys were great for their respective positions. But like Jamar Chase was transformative for a team in what he brought to the table. And it was still like talked about pantheon of you know Trent Williams the best tackles he's never seen that was the best I've seen a rookie his high-end plays and now he wasn't ever didn't show up every single week whatever but when he did no rookie has been more impactful for single games the way he was against the Ravens against the Chiefs those were uh like unheard of performances for a rookie so yeah give me Jamar Chase in this one Love to see and Micah Parsons it. obviously yeah, yeah. like fuck if you're going any other way Javon Holland get your vote Trevon Merrick. Revoked. No. Don't even. Don't. I'm just kidding. I, I, obviously, Mike Parsons is the defensive rookie of the year. I think you could vote on that award after like week 10. Like, like, like literally, he like locked it up. It was, week yeah. 10. So I actually wrote an article on PFF after I think it was week 12. And he was minus 400 after week 12. And I was like, this might be the best bet I've ever seen. Because I'm not, because he doesn't need to play another snap and he's going to get it. Cowboy, like a guy playing on the Cowboys with obviously how much hype they get nationally. And he already had 10 sacks at that point. And he was the preseason favorite, right? Yes. He was the preseason favorite. So for him to be only minus 400, I don't know why I didn't put like more on that shit. So your next one's rent? Yeah. Uh, let's get into coach of the year and executive of the year. My picks. I'm going Mike Vrabel as my coach of the year. I'm going to go tie. I'm going to go Mike Vrabel. <sighs> Matt LaFleur. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm give Vrabel tie. a chance. Give Vrabel a chance. Going tie. All right. Well, Vrabel, then give LaFleur. me... Give me your reason. LaFleur, I mean, obviously, like, Vrabel led a team, a ton of backups, whatever, you know, all over that roster. We've talked about that a ton. And got them the one seed. Also, Matt LaFleur did that, too. They mm -hmm. lost to Darius Smith. They lost Jair Alexander. They lost David Bakhtiari. Still get the one seed. That's a lot of that's also he had Aaron Rodgers. Vrabel had Tannehill. But I do think that in terms of edges, in terms of, like, when to go for it on fourth down, fourth down decisions, that sort of thing. Lafleur was as good as it got in the NFL this year. And that's a big part of it, too. That, that's why I'm giving him a tie. Giving him a tie. Vrabel, obviously the culture, whatever, fantastic there. But I think Lafleur's offense, to scheme what he did around literally one weapon at the receiver position, was worthy of this award. Yeah. I, I think for... Um... I mean, Lafleur, Vrabel, I think one of those two will ultimately win. I'm going Vrabel just because the the injury adversity, right? Losing Derrick Henry, losing Julio Jones, like literally most of the season. A.J. Brown injured a ton. Their offensive line was banged up. Like there was not a lot of reasons for them to be even like playoff competitive, let alone win the division and secure the one seat, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were the best team in the AFC, right? Maybe not like from a power rankings perspective. If you look at like ELO or EPA per play or whatever, they're probably not the best team and Chiefs were probably winning that one. But Finishes the one seed, earn that first round bye, which matters so much for actually winning the Super Bowl down the stretch. That is massive. I'm going Vrabel for executive. Going Duke Tobin. Oh, I'm going Duke, man. Go. I am one, obviously super oh, impressed man. with what they did in the draft. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to give a little, 
a little credence to obviously bring, you know, Joe Burrow and the success that he's had that developed him. Bringing in Jamar Chase and making that pick over Penesul was such a tough selection. The but, volatility, can we go back to that one just for a second? Sorry not to interrupt you, but I did. The volatility around that, volatility? Around, yeah, volatility. Ho- hostility around that pick. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, my bad. The hostility around that pick on draft time. Was insane. Was insane. It's like, yeah, the offensive line's not, and like, I get it. Everyone's worried about his ACL, whatever. Jamar Chase, it was just such a rare occurrence, and I'm wearing this shirt right now, the Roll Tide What Fuck You shirt, that you get a guy's number one wide receiver in college that set records with. Setting records is, now. <laughs> an elite prospect who is himself an elite prospect, lead athlete, lead whatever, all this stuff, that you get to add him back to that NFL team that you know he has a rapport with when – from all we know about the wide receiver position and elite quarterbacks, they harp on rapport, seeing the same stuff, knowing route adjustments, that sort of thing, and how valuable that is to a passing game. That people would be mad that they selected that guy was insane to me. Yeah. I, I look at an executive of the year, too, right? You have to give it, it's a one year thing, but a lot of it is kind of a body of work. Joe Burrow. T. Higgins in the previous class. I mean, they draft. They bring in jo, uh, Hubbard. They drafted Jesse Bates. They signed Trey Hendrickson. They signed Chidobia Wuze. Two guys that have played really well this season. Jonah Williams is their, one of the highest graded, um, off, their highest graded offensive lineman, a guy they drafted in the top 10 a few years ago, and also a top 20 graded tackle. And then obviously Jamar Chase. Like what he did to Adam Frenzy with Hendrickson and Wuze, and then also adding in the draft with Chase this year has been special. Like the Bengals are not good without the players they legitimately drafted and signed over the last two years, period. And, like, you, you, that sounds crazy. Like, yeah, no shit, they improved. Like, that's hard to do, though. Like, we've seen time and time again teams break the bank on free agents or draft players that are, are supposedly supposed to take him to this next level, right? Everyone talks about the hump, like getting over the hump and getting into the postseason. The Bengals did it. Like, the Bengals did it with their selection of Burrow and Higgins. And in the following draft, grabbing Chase and – um moving forward and signing Hendrickson and Awuzie. Yeah, like don't that, say Jackson Carmen. Yeah, I'm not going to say Jackson <laughs> Carmen. But, like, this has been a special, like, two-year run yeah. for the Bengals. So special that they're favored in a playoff game at home. Like, that's that's special. And I think Tobin deserves some love. He does. He does. That that And, the, again, to, to make the pick that was uh, not popular at the time. Yeah. And pay off such big su- such big dividends. But I, I will go a different route. I'm going Howie Roseman for executive of the year. Drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. Yeah. When another pick that people did not like when it when he drafted him. PFF paying did. off. Paying off a offseason that we thought, you know, they were in Capel. They were in Capel similar to the Saints, similar to the Falcons. They were in not a good spot to get through that. And to now, I'm not sure this should factor in, but he has three first round picks next year. He has all this, did all this, could he get back to got back to the playoffs and now also has draft capital, a ton of draft capital to build for the future, to not go through the sort of, you know, multi-year tank that you know the Browns did when they were in a bad situation that a lot of teams go through when you have this highly paid all of a sudden this you kind of have this downturn from a highly paid roster that won the Super Bowl, a lot of those guys aging, to all of a sudden flip that on its head, get a bunch of youth in there, and now have a bunch of picks to go forward. I think Howie Roseman deserves executive of the year because of that. I think Roseman was another name I considered in this spot, right? I wasn't, you know, again, like a lot of these awards, it's not like there's a clear front runner, maybe outside of defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year. Like there's kind of like obvious choices, but I mean, MVP too, according to betting markets, but we'll see. Um, 
let's move off of this awards discussion and talk about the games. Let's talk about the wild card or what the NFL is trying to brand as super wild card weekend. And before you do, you're going to this week without any money on these games and you're in a legal betting state, the few, the, fa- the proud. We've hit the final week of pro football regular season. I know we're past it. We're into the playoffs, baby. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So let's wind down. No, let's freaking rev up the postseason with a big dub here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any football team, college or pro and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer restricts supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling promo code 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's start with the game of the year. Maybe the game of the decade. <laughs> uh, Saturday, 4.30. Raiders, Bengals, line opened at 6.5. Guess what? It's down to 5.5 because there's money back in silver and black. And they know that we're going to the game. We're going to have a pretty, we pretty, will be there. pretty big crew. I got like a handful of tickets. My buddy from back home, John Marsh, shout out John Marsh, is coming out um, to watch the game with us. And we're going to be, I want a 9 a.m. start, Mike. I, I'm looking at your face right now. Yeah. 9 a.m. start on the tailgate. Well, I, I don't ask for a lot. Do I ask for a lot? I just dropped my mic. But I, do I ask for a lot? 9 a.m. start. And Quinn, Quinn's going to the game too. I got Quinn it's a because ticket. He wants to start at 9 a.m. because he knows that he can go to bed after the game because the Raiders are going to lose. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I see it. That's a big brain He doesn't move, want to actually. remember it. The, the crew is going to be Eric Eager, David Sofaro, Quinn, you, me, my buddy from back home, a, a bunch of other PFF people are going. It's the first Bengals playoff game in a while. I mean, we have to do it. Um, and I see it as a win-win. Raiders win. I'm burning the city to the ground. The Bengals win. They're going to burn it down for me. Yeah. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a phenomenal time. 4.30 kick. So it's around 30 degrees. Sent out a cold okay. weather tweet about Derek Carr, who has struggled with cold weather in his career. I remember those really bad games in Arrowhead. That's a small sample size thing. I kind of tweeted it out just for the banter. Save your likes on that one. Don't like it. Don't retweet it. But <laughs> like it is legitimately a conversation with Derek Carr. Right? Like Derek yeah. Carr has not played well in cold weather games. This is going to be a bit of a struggle. And the Bengals defense has been good. I'm still betting Raiders money line. And you know why? why i'm the curse of the Bengals. i'm the curse if yeah. i say they're gonna win they're gonna lose i 100 believe looking at the camera i 100 percent believe believe the raiders are gonna go into cincinnati cold weather shut up Derek carr plays one of the best games of the season and they beat the cincinnati Bengals by 10 that's my take that's my take i don't love five and a half for the yeah. Bengals. i'll just say that yeah that seems like too much i mean it was for, six and a half that's crazy that, yeah the raiders were at home last week and beat but they beat the Chargers. Like Chargers are a solid football team. And the Bengals just have this thing like, do I trust? You know, in cold weather, like it's going to be, that's going to be a factor. Do I th- trust Zach Taylor to still say, hey, Joe Burrow, go out and throw this game? That's a good, you know, that's go, a great Or take. is he going to say it's cold weather? You know, it's just January football. We mm-hmm. got to establish the run. We got to win on the ground. That's what I worry about in this game with the Bengals. I still think they win, but five and a half just seems like too much. I will say pregame, we, so we go to trivia sometimes. I usually go with my friend Rob, but we go sometimes and we have won probably 15 times over the past year, yeah. pretty much every time. Maybe more than that. I think we've only, of the times we've gone, we've only got second like two or three times. Trivia One of the other ones. But we save all our gift cards every time. And <laughs> this is incredible. Saturday, if you are in Cincinnati, Come to Jefferson Social. We are getting bottle service with all these gift cards <laughs> pre-game. <laughs> we have good. over six hundred dollars worth of gift cards to oh, this man. bar that does bar trivia, and so that will be where we're tailgating because it's going to be cold. Oh, and if you're not, if you're outside tailgating, you're not grilling. 
it's there's really no reason to be outside in the weather like this. Yeah. I mean, I am uh, definitely excited to get inside. And my buddy from, coming from, he's from the Bay Area and li now lives in San Diego. He's not excited about the cold either. I don't even think he has a jacket where he can really prepare for this thing. So I do think that... Um, I would just recommend, if you've never been to a cold weather game, at least three pairs of pants and at least three layers under a jacket. Yeah. Dress for like 15 to 20 degrees colder than you think it's going to be. Yeah. Got That's it. the rule. Got it. It's good. It's good advice. Good advice. Uh, I'm going to be wearing a beer blanket potentially by 10 a.m., but we'll see what I do. That's going to be one of my layers at least. It's got to be one of the layers. Uh, you know, I'm joking, right, that the you know, Raiders are going to go and win by 10, but I do feel that the Raiders are a good matchup. I was talking to Ben Lindsay, um, who does a lot of the Sunday night football broadcast stuff. He works directly with Chris and the executive producers there to put together these packets and prepare Al and Chris for Sunday night. And looking at this game, right, Raiders – Bengals, he's you know they don't they don't blitz a ton, but Joe Burrow is super good at good against the blitz. Um, you know Joe Burrow has been great against man coverage. Ra Raiders not running maybe as much. I, I think this could be with Isaiah Prince going to have to block Max Crosby. Yeah, I was going to say that that was a big reason why I think Zach Taylor is just not going to want to drop back and pass. Yeah, is that matchup like he knows you're not winning that matchup. It's going to be, I think, a closer game than the five and a half. I think my actual pick is Raiders cover, Raiders win to make sure Queen City Faithful knows that I'm not going to curse them this week. But um, I, I do like how the Raiders match up with the Bengals. I like how Max Crosby matches up with Isaiah Prince. I think I have this as a money line bet. I'm liking the Raiders money line. You're liking it. 8-15, same day, Saturday, Patriots at Bills. I believe this line opened up at four, four and a half. It might have been bet down to three and a half the last time I looked. I could get it's 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 flirting around this four and this three and a half. Is the Patriots season over? Are they gonna go one and done? Because I kind of like the Bills minus four here, especially if you get minus three and a half. I, I think the Bills at home night game with how bad Mac Jones has played down the stretch. I think this Bills team rolls. I do too. I think the Bills win and cover. And it's going to be forecast Saturday in Buffalo. High of 10 degrees. Yikes. 15 mile per hour winds. And so that's not like first game was so bad that you couldn't pass. This is like the right kind of bad for the Bills where Josh Allen will still be fine. With that cannon, with the arm he's got, it's not really going to affect his ball as much. Mac Jones, on the other hand, is probably going to be limited to about 10 to 15 yards down the field before that ball starts to move on him. And he starts to not know where that's going with that kind of wind in that kind of weather. So... I think that favors the Bills a lot in this one. Now, yes, the Patriots have a much better running game, but uh, you still got to pass the ball at some point. I mean, shit, when they did win in that ugly game, it was still only, what, 13 or something points. So give me the Bills. Give me the Bills to cover. I think they are the better team. Josh Allen, too, has played really well down the stretch, kind of opposite to Mac Jones. And the Buffalo Bills officially finished the season with the number one ranked defense pretty much in any metric you look at, EPA per play, you know, rushing yards per carry, pa you know, passing yards per game, that kind of stuff. They've been phenomenal. I think Mac Jones runs into a buzzsaw here, and the Patriots are one and done out of the playoffs. Sunday, Eagles at Bucks. Bucks are favored by nine. I think that number has been bet down to eight and a half. Ah, this one's tough, man. I don't hate a little sprinkle. I'm not talking about your mortgage. A little sprinkle on the Eagles' money line. Just, uh, just a sprinkle. You know, we talk about, you know, Howie Roseman, executive of the year, Jalen Hurts playing as a top 10 quarterback according to PFF grades this year. Offensive line is good, and the Bucs are down bad right now, down bad with injuries. They are going to go into this game with with not at full strength, not in the receiving core, um, not on defense with Levante, uh, Levante David out. I, Shaq Barrett, I think, is practicing. Not sure if he's going to play this week, but, like, there are a lot of reasons for to at least think the Bucs aren't eight and a half, nine points better than the Eagles, even at home. 
And I think there is enough reason with probably the odds you'll get, right? You'll probably get it at plus 200 or something in that range. I can look now. Plus 300 for the Eagles to win this game. Currently an eight and a half point line. I don't think it's crazy to put like a half unit on the Eagles upsetting Tom Brady and like the injury plague Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's the thing. If they're full strength, I'm rolling with the Bucs the whole way through. They were my favorite team entering the season. They were my Super Bowl pick entering the season. Now so many injuries down the stretch. Godwin, David, Barrett, all these guys starting to fade them a bit. And maybe it's the it's the first week. Maybe it is against the Eagles. Yeah, I like the Eagles to cover in this at the very least. Nine, uh, especially if it is nine, eight and a half, probably still like the Eagles to cover. And it's because, like you said, the Bucks are banged up. And yeah, they they designated Levante David to return from IR TBD if he plays, and Leonard Fournette again TBD if both those guys play. But even if they do, I like this Eagles running game. Like I think that's one of the biggest things the Bucks defense has been built off is that they're going to stop everyone's running game. But I don't think they do with the Eagles. I think they are built with the quarterback options that they can do with Jalen Hurts getting involved. They're built to kind of avoid Vita Vea. You know, mm-hmm. like they don't have to punch it up the gut. You can get wide on them in this Eagles rushing attack. So I think that nine is a lot of points at that point when you're talking about, like you said, this Bucks team just not being the Bucks with yeah. all these injuries. 430 kick. I think this will be one of the better games, too, after obviously the game of the decade and Raiders Bengals and the Raiders dub. But a 430 kick. 49ers at Cowboys. This line, I think, opened up at four, four and a half, maybe even five. I might be wrong there. Don't quote me on that. But it's down to three, dude. It's been bet down to three. People are pouring on the San Francisco 49ers as road dogs. That is, I'm kind of shocked by that. Why are people fading the Cowboys? I'm surprised because I like the Cowboys a lot in this one. Uh, Like a lot, a lot. It's one of my favorite lines. Of the weekend. I might be high. It opened up at three. I'm stupid. Okay, I'm stupid. So people I'm, are betting I'm it definitely up. high. I'm definitely high. Uh, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys was opened as a three-point favorite, and they're currently a three-point favorite. And I think it's just the biggest thing to me is this is going to be very non-analytical. I can't but personality-wise, the quarterback positions here. And just where, like how Dak Prescott shows up in crunch time. Jack Prescott has in big situations, shit, even in playoffs years past. Like when he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in those two games that they lost in the playoffs, he played well. Yeah. It's just Aaron Rodgers played on another planet in those games. Jimmy G, not the same. They, like, they are going to have to win with their running game working. And I just – I think this this Cowboys defense at full strength has answers for the rushing game. So like to at least slow it down. So I, I like the Cowboys in this one. The 49ers are loaded, right? I mean, Elijah Mitchell, the rookie, has played a lot – you know, really well above expectation behind that offense. Their run game is great. George Kittle, fantastic. Debo Samuel has been talked about as maybe a top five player in the NFL by some. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And Jimmy G down the stretch has been really productive in this offense. But I think you're buying them if you do bet them plus three at the top of the market, right? I don't think expectations for the Niners, especially after that comeback win over Los Angeles, could get any higher. Mm-hmm. I think you you bet into the Cowboys here. I like them at minus three. I think Dallas wins, and I think they might win big. You know what? I'm not taking it as my dump truck. I don't know if I do dump trucks in the playoffs just because it's a little scary. This is my dump it's truck. Du- <laughs> really? This is the dump truck. Wow. Okay, I'll ride with you. Double dump. 815, Steelers, Chiefs. I think this line opened up at three thirteen and a half. I'm going to confirm that before I start spewing trash. No, it opened up at 12 and a half, and it's still 12 and a half. <laughs> just kill me. Kill me. It's 12 and a half. Steelers are 12 and a half point dogs. Did you see? I wish I gave it to Quinn on time to include in the video, but... Did you see that press conference from Big Ben where he's like, 
Yeah, I know. We're probably like double-digit dogs, maybe 20-point dogs. You know, if you had to rank all the teams in the playoffs, we're probably the worst, right? And we just got to we, – we, you know, he says – I think the quote is like, we probably don't stand a chance. Just got to go in there and have fun. I know, <laughs> I've never seen – I don't know. So the name of the video by the Steelers – was anything can happen. <laughs> and he does say that in part of the interview. But like, if you want, from a content perspective, if you wanted to click here, so here's the official quote. We're probably 20-point underdogs. We don't have a chance. So let's just go in and have fun. And he's being sarcastic, right? He's not being like dark and like, yeah, this thing's screwed. But like, still absurd, in my opinion, for a quarterback to say that. I've never seen shit like that before. And I know he's being sarcastic, but still like, that is pretty freaking hilarious to come out and be like, yeah, we're not good. So this is going to be a grind. Not even like this is going to be a challenge. He's like, we don't have a chance. So let's go in and have fun. Obviously being sarcastic, but still. Big Ben, not super high on the playoff or on the Steelers going in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm admittedly not myself. Yeah. Either. I mean, in I, Arrowhead. I like the Chiefs to cover 12 and a half. I, I just, they played somewhat recently, day after Christmas. Chiefs won by 26. Yeah. Um, going to Arrowhead's just, difficult in the playoffs and yeah Rothsburg would you rank? the block but uh, at this point in his career there's no like it's no level to get to you know there's no second gear for him to to dive deep into and find for that one last performance I have two things there one if the Steelers do cover or win right I think it's got to be like a look ahead sloppy game from the Chiefs right I don't see Steelers yeah. and Chiefs going toe to toe 35 35 downs that's just not what's yeah, going to happen it's like, be like muff punt mm -hmm. pick six fluky yeah bad mistakes the other thing what would you rank as the hardest stadium to play in on the road in the playoffs in the playoffs so you got to bring in the weather right okay Lambo's up there for me yeah Lambo's got to be tough Arrowhead's up tough. there Absolutely up there. Foxborough is probably tough. Um, Buffalo, we haven't seen a lot of in like yeah, my Buffalo, time. You just don't know. Yeah, you don't really know. <laughs> like in the 90s, I'm sure yeah. it was insane, but like it could be another the, super, the actual yeah. AstroTurf. Honestly, I might put I put Lambo up top and then probably Arrowhead at two. I mean, those two places, the rabid fan bases, diehard fan bases, and they get cold as shit in January and February. I will say the loudest stadium I think I've ever been in, whereas like two of the loudest was. In Atlanta, like when you're in a dome, domes are just different levels of loud. Loud, yeah, yeah. Like Atlanta, Seattle, back in, when they were in the Legion of Boom era, that was a tough one. Yeah. What about Mile High? Because you got to deal with the cold and the altitude. Yeah. That's true. That's got to there. It makes kicking easier. I don't know. I can't. I, I don't think it's in my top three. <laughs> Monday Night Football: Cardinals, Rams. Crazy to say. Can we talk about that? We haven't talked about it. Why the hell is there a Monday Night Football game? That's such a disadvantage. The well, Packers are going to get. If the if the you know Rams lose, I think whoever Packers might get a team on a short week, <laughs> like after resting, right? Like they're gonna whoever wins this game is gonna play next Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So it's still a short, shorter week than the other guys. I guess it's a shorter week. I mean, it's also played at night. I mean, you're losing the entire Monday to prep for this next team. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think that kind of it, I don't think the pros outweigh the cons. Why would you not just make it a triple header both days? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Why? I, I I literally don't understand it. Money. Money. I know. Okay. Fuck. Fuck me. I guess you're right. It always comes down to money. A lot of people are gonna watch this game. That's a fact. Me. Cardinals. Rams. Rams favored by four. Where's your head up? I'm leaning Cardinals for this one. It's I really down to three no and a half. Hand. I really down have no half. handle on whatever. Like, this one's really a toss up in my eyes. Three and a half seems like even too much. So I think that's why I'm leaning Cardinals because. 
that I think I just trust Kyler Murray more than I trust Matt Stafford is like what it comes down to. Stafford's been roller coastery. I don't want to trust a roller coaster at this point in time. He has been roller coastery, to take your words. And and the Arizona Cardinals, I think, should be getting healthy for this one. I think D-hop. DeAndre yeah. D Hop playing. That's all I care about. I think DeAndre Hopkins is playing. If D Hop Oh, it says D Hop's not playing. Oh well fuck. Okay, that's it. JJ Watt up in the air. All right. I'd flip it, Rams. Yeah, I'm going Rams now. No, I, that was as of an hour ago, so we're not like complete idiots. But as of an hour ago, DeAndre Hopkins is not playing against the Los Angeles Rams. I like Rams. It's at three and a half now. I think you take Rams minus three and a half. Um, but you are, I think the forecast brought it up. You're buying the Cardinals at the bottom of the market. They have not, you know, they haven't played well. Um, I think there's there's some opportunity there, but I think Rams ultimately win this one, especially with Hopkins out. I got an early trivia question for you guys. Let's get, let's get right in trivia. If Matt Stafford loses, he'll have the longest quarterback playoff drought to start a career. Or he'll tie the longest quarterback playoff drought to start a career with who? Andy Dalton. Andy, Andy Dalton. Dalton. <laughs> That's Dalton, great. Either 0-4 or 0-5. 0-4. Andy Dalton's 0-4. Wow. All right. Should we go trivia, then yeah. mailbag? Yeah, let's do trivia. Before we do trivia, can I tell you who it's sponsored by? Yeah. It's sponsored by Western Southern. See that little gray thing back there? Western and Southern, see the helmet? Proud partners, proud sponsors of the Tailgate Podcast. Want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast. Do you? You like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al and Sunday Night Football. How about a need to know for your financial future? Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to 2,500 bucks, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13th, 2022. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions with westernsouthern.com slash Chris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash Chris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. And remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day i have a take yeah why does the nfl like not allow people to say super bowl like you, you know oh, you see how like that read yeah. kind of skates around super bowl yeah. like what the, like you're trying to promote the game that you need everybody to watch or is it trade is it trademarked by someone else is that Maybe what it that is because i know we've talked i've had this conversation with people before where like certain ads can't mention super bowl like you can't mention super bowl in like your doritos ad leading up which i just think is stupid like that doesn't make any sense to me like, why would the NFL not, like, no, you get to say the name of the game we want everyone on the planet to watch. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, enough of my dumb talk. Let's get to trivia. All right, let's do it. Oh, wait, one more thing. Go ahead. Trivia. We're doing a trivia show. Yes. So trivia on this podcast has sparked interest from other people to do trivia with us, including Sam Monson and Steve Palzolo for a podcast versus podcast trivia show that will air on Thursday. Please send the tailgate messages or the tailgate twitter account dms for your questions it can be football non-football anything you want that's going to be a treat me and mike teaming up against sam and steve we got to take them down we'll have a listener question round round. it's going to be a treat i think it's on thursday it's going to be sweet uh but let's get into today today's trivia all right let's do it georgia well actually so let me start with this it's perk He's uh, back. Weekly question. Perk Angel. Uh, this one's about the national championship. He says Georgia won a national championship on the back of a historic defense. Name the last six Georgia defenders who were first-round picks. Six Georgia defenders who were first-round picks. Correct. Eric Stokes. Nice. Yep. Eric Stokes. Uh, Roquan Smith. Yes. 
Mm. We'll get there. We'll get to all of them. Um, shit. I want to say they have an edge. I know, right? Leonard Floyd? Did he go Georgia? Yeah, Leonard yeah. Floyd. Yeah, you got him. Uh, six. DeAndre Baker. Nice. Nailed it. Come mm -mm. on. Other defensive backs? I don't know. What about some fat DTs? Any big boys? I'm trying to think. Back in like the day day there was. How about some positions here? Yeah, what, what positions have we got? Linebacker. Two left? Two linebackers or one? Oh, wait. Um, is one of them uh, the guy from Pittsburgh Steelers who sucked and then Jarvis? Oh, Jarvis Jones? Jarvis, Jarvis Jones, yep. Nice. One more linebacker. One more linebacker. Off-ball linebacker? Is that? Or just? Yes. Okay. I think I have no idea. Who is it? I'm gonna get. It. I'm gonna get. It. I'm gonna get it. Really? Off ball linebacker, Georgia. What year? 2013. Okay. Oh, the deep. shitty ass draft. <laughs> oh, that was the shitty draft. Um, 2013 linebacker, Georgia. Alec Ogletree. Nice. Ogletree, nice yeah. pull. That guy stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, name the last three Heisman winning QBs who lost in the national championship. Mm. Heisman winning QBs lost in the natty. Heisman QBs lost in the natty. I, so, Jameis lost in the natty, had won a Heisman, but it wasn't that year. Is Jameis on the list? Jameis is not on the list. Okay. But the way the question was worded, he technically is the correct answer. Shut up. I'm just going to say it. Oh, wait, no, he didn't lose the natty. He lost in the semis. Won the natty. Okay. I'm technically wrong. Think about just start <laughs> listing Heisman winners. Um, QBs. Manziel Johnny didn't get, make the natty. RG3 didn't make the natty. Tyler Baker, Oklahoma never made it. Um, Tua made it, but won it. Tua never won it. Oh, Tua never won it. Burrow made it, won it. Fuck, gotta go back then. Gotta go deep, deep. Sam Bradford? Is that an answer? Yeah, Sam Bradford. Just, yeah, Sam Bradford. <laughs> I, I don't know any of these other guys. I think Heisman uh, stuff, I know the word. Matt know, Liner? No, not that far back. But he Vince did, Young? But but he, no, they won. Remember they lost? No, not that far back. I'm an idiot. Matt He's uh, one of these guys is still in the league. Shit. I have no idea, dude. I'm so Plays bad for with a playoff team. Stuff. Plays for a playoff team? Does he start for a playoff team? <laughs> no. Oh. There you go. Mike Glennon? This is not a Heisman. I have no idea, dude. It's a I don't Heisman know. that's a bad Who is it? Who are they? Yeah, who are they? Uh, Marcus Mariota and Bryce Young. I'm an idiot. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Duh. Yeah. Bryce Wild Young. Cat special. <laughs> Bryce Young. Uh, next one. All right. This is from Lance Storer, I believe is how you say it on Twitter. Uh, he says, with Black Monday claiming many head coaches, which team has had the most head coaches since 2000? Bonus. If you can name the coaches. Raiders. Yes. Uh, I can go on a tear here. All of these coaches. Art Shell, Tom Cable, Lane Kiffin, um, Jack yes, Del yes, Rio. Yes. yes. Trying to think of some of the dogs. Hugh Jackson for a couple of years was yeah, dirty. Was coaching tree. That was rough. Um, obviously Gruden. Now Basaccia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, rest twice. in peace, Tony Sperano. He was an interim for a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be on that list, but he was only an interim head coach. Um, 
I got one that you don't. Who? Bill Callahan. Right? Bill Callahan. Yeah. He was a Super Bowl coach. Yeah, he was a yeah. Super Bowl coach. Who else is left? on? How many more left on the list? Uh, did you say Norv Turner? I Holy didn't. Shit. I forgot about Norv. I forgot about Norv. <laughs> oh uh, Jack Del Rio. I said Del Rio. Uh, did you say Dennis Allen? I forgot about Dennis. Oh my the tits. God, how many <laughs> Tom Cable, did had. you get Tom? I got Tommy. Of course I got Tommy. <laughs> I could see uh, why you Rich got Passaccia. Yeah, ago. I got Passaccia. Did you got Tony Sperano was on that list? He was an interim for a little bit. Yeah. No, he's not. Uh, that's I'll count it. Fake. Fake. List is fake. Dude, that Sperano, sunglasses string indoors. of head coaches. Lane Kiffin, Tom Camel, Tom Cable, Dennis Allen, Art Shell, Jack Del Rio, John Gruden. I mean, th this next head coach they pick, I mean, you're signing a death warrant if you don't figure it out. Um, all right, what's the next one? Uh, that's it. It's right, either sick. voicemails or if you guys want to do the actual... Um, Let's go voicemails first. Submitted ones. Okay. We'll do some voicemails. Um, we'll, go with, uh, we'll go with Key Lime Fred first. Hit me. Hey, fellas. It's Key Lime. It's Key Lime Fred once again. I hate to say it, boys, but I'm down in the dumps today. I'm a lifelong Alabama fan, and last night I had to watch the cleanest ACL tear I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> followed by fucking Screech dropping nukes on top of my tie. Not good for me. But nobody can find excuses for their teams like Key Lime Fred can, which leads me to my tits. I'm not worried at all about a close victory over the Texans in week 18 because I am firmly planted on top of the number one seed mountaintop and nobody <laughs> is taking me off of that mountaintop unless they cut my rope and push me to my death, you son of a bitch. That was <laughs> These tits have had a baggy shirt draped on top of them all season long. But guess what, boys? We're ready for beach season. <laughs> so my question for the pod, if the Titans make it to the AFC championship game in Nashville, are we going together or separately? I, I got to go. With, I have to be there. <laughs> I, I don't know to tell you. It's a four hour drive from Cincy, Keelan, Fred. If they go, I'm there. I'm going to be in Las Vegas, sadly. Oh, no, we'll be in. We'll both be in Las Vegas. <sighs> I know. We're not going. So we're going separately. Unfortunately. I really wanted to go. I did really want to go if the if they would have played this upcoming weekend yeah like if they would have played this sunday and the Bengals had the saturday i would have driven and gone to the because i do want to see the titans because you want to see keelan fred and keelan fred keelan fred an absolute friend of the show appreciate the submission <laughs> i love a, a voice Bengals could be playing at titans true that's a very real scenario true yeah. might be going might be gone that's a phenomenal phenomenal keelan fred's a legend green bay that weekend all right we'll you go think? with um i believe I, this I, is from daniel Hey, what's up, Kings? It's your number one fan on the East Coast. Damn. Listen, a few months ago, I made a horrible mistake, and I tried to ask Sam and Sasquatch for a draft team. <laughs> Biggest mistake of my life. Never going to happen again. From now on, I'm coming to Mario and Fabio for all draft-related content. <laughs> anyway, a few years ago when Isaiah Simmons was coming out, you guys got in a big discussion about eliteness versus completeness, and generally speaking, came down on the side of eliteness being more covetable. Uh, I was just wondering if we could dive a little more into that, because to me, obviously, it depends on the position. For example, Will Greer uh, was elite at a specific type of kind of drop-in-the-bucket throw that obviously didn't translate well to the NFL. 
just recently you were talking about a tackle who graded top five, but the majority of that was because of run blocking, which doesn't seem as valuable as a tackle who's more well-rounded and better at pass blocking. So I was just wondering if you feel that it's more of a positional difference for eliteness versus completeness. Is it specific skill sets that matter more or basically what you're looking for in a prospect? Anyway, I'll hang up and uh, take the answer on the air. I appreciate the question, Dan. That's awesome. Number one fan on the East Coast. I do think that it what matters is obviously position, but also like draft slot, right? Like when you're drafting high, you're chasing eliteness, right? Over completeness. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we, we're going to have Nate Tice on the show here a little bit later. You t- there are some of these guys that are complete guys that maybe you are more interested in taking outside the top 10. The top 10 is you need to take big fucking athletes, some rare elite traits after the top 10 i do think it gets easier to you know prioritize completeness over eliteness because by the time you're outside the top 10 you're just not going to find a lot of eliteness right like you're not going to find you're not going to find guys that have this like top end rarefied air type of talent and that's where you go like maybe this guy doesn't have you know some of the eliteness of the guys in the top 10 but uh, outside of that you can start to chase completeness and it's eliteness in the things that are valuable this mm-hmm. is so like Jamar Chase, we talked about, he's probably a great example of that. We just kept talking, like, this guy wins down the football field. Like, I don't care if he doesn't have the cleanest releases, that he's not this technician that Devontae Smith is as a route runner. Go try to guard him on a go route. You know, go try to press him and and stick with him down the football field. It's, you're not gonna, it's not going to happen with that level that he has. Or if it's, like, on the cornerback position. I, I don't care if the guy isn't great in run support. How does he cover? Uh, give me an elite cover specialist. And I think... Uh, and like defensive line, edge rusher. I, I don't need a guy, you know, I don't need Cleveland Furl who can do a lot of, who can be solid at a lot of things. Give me Yannick Ngakwe mm-hmm. who can fucking rush the pass. You know, like I, I, that's, I think is the bigger thing is like chase the, the value, eliteness in the value, uh, the mo- more valuable aspects of whatever position it is. You guys ready for the next one? Let's so, do it. All right. This one's from Bernie. Hey, you guys, uh, it's Bernie here. I'm up in Seattle. I'm freaking out, okay? I'm paranoid. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. I got the shits. Okay, I can't even put my camera on for meetings at work because I'm unshaved and I keep breaking into tears every five or ten minutes. Can you guys make me feel a little better and just convince me that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are both going to be here to start the 2022 NFL season, okay? Everyone's telling me we're going to move on from one. We're going to move on from both. We're going to do a full reset. I mean, I don't get it, okay? Who would you rather have? Who would who who are you gonna bring in as an upgrade? So I'm asking you guys, if you guys were Jody Allen, um, who what would you do if you were in charge of the Seahawks and it was up to you? Who would you want to come in and, and replace Pete Carroll? Who would you wanna come in and, and, and replace Russell Wilson at quarterback? What would you what would you try and get in a trade for Russell Wilson? Would you trade Russell Wilson? I mean you see how my mind's going. I, I don't even know what's going on. I haven't slept. Um, I've been crying, puking, and shitting, and bleeding basically <laughs> since Russell broke his finger. Um, so it's not great out here. Um, but if you guys could help me out a little bit, maybe just talk me off the ledge, maybe tell me Pete and Russell are going to be okay, that'd be great. Uh, sounds good. Hey, runner, fuck you. Wow. <laughs> That part comes. <laughs> I love that. 
Bernie comes on and just drops an absolute bomb at the back end. I love that. I think Bernie, well, you know what, Bernie? Russell Wilson ain't going to be there next I like year. that. I like that. I like that. I, I mean, Bernie's a big fan of the show. I think he he's, he and I DM on Twitter a handful of times. He's been listening to Tailgate slash 241 drafts for a long time. With the Seattle stuff, right, if you are going to move on from Russell Wilson, you are resetting, right? Like done. Like it's not like you're not like we're moving on from Russell Wilson and chasing an upgrade in 2022 to pursue a Super Bowl. Like that's not your quickest path to a Super Bowl, right? I think it's ultimately if they want their quickest path to Super Bowl, I think you have to maintain you have to keep Russell Wilson. And if but I think the reason this is even a rumor is that the relationship between Carol and Wilson is not there. Like it's like is is, is it even Carol and Wilson or is it just like Russ going rogue and wanting a bigger market. There, a relationship with Wilson and whether it's Carroll or other decision makers in Seattle is obviously not great, right? And Doug Kai, the reporter here at PFF, talked about on YouTube recently on the PFF Now uh, YouTube series. He said, he said a league source said that Russell Wilson might not even have to request a trade. They might be pushing him out because of, I think, some of this behind the scenes relationship stuff. Maybe they're ready to move on or whatever it is. If the Seattle Seahawks want to win a Super Bowl in 2022, Russell Wilson has to stay. Like, you're not getting an upgrade over Russell Wilson in this quarterback class or making a big monster trade for whoever it is. If they're looking to completely reset because they're wanting to move on from Russell Wilson, then I do think you kind of have to, you know, obviously get as much as you can for Russell Wilson, move on from him, and then gather draft capital for what's going to have to be like a complete rebuild, right? There's no there's no halfway here. There's no halfway. You have to either continue to build around Russell Wilson with or without Pete Carroll, or when you move on from him, take in this idea, like, hey, this is a multi-year rebuild, which do you want to be doing with Pete Carroll, who's like one of the oldest coaches in the NFL, right? I think the other part of it too is like how much longer does Pete Carroll got? Yeah, I so I don't think Russell Wilson will be there, sadly. Not to, not just because that's what all the smoke me, is but, saying, right? And where there's but, smoke, there's fire. But I don't think he will. And I do think it started to be has has become from both ends that wanting to be the case. Me personally, if I was the GM there, I would not in a million years trade at Russell Wilson, unless he literally said, you know, I'm not playing. Then obviously your hands are tied, but this is what everyone's looking for. And I get he's 33 and whatever he plays shit down the stretch, but we have enough. I don't, I don't think that's, I think I said before on this show, like it was finger related. Like it was not that he forgot how to play quarterback and look like complete. it was that injury that he came back from, you know, if you come back six weeks earlier than everyone expects in an injury and you play like shit, that to me screams the injury was affecting your play. So that to me was the biggest thing. They also do not have a good roster. We've talked about this a lot. Defense side of the ball is just completely bereft of talent outside of Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, and those aren't your value positions that really can carry a defense. So they just need to fucking draft better. Uh, but you, when you have the quarterback, when you have that position, when you have that guy, you do not get rid of him at all costs. You protect it. That's why, like what I was saying with the Packers last year, it's like there's you cannot let those guys get out of your grasp because they just make everything else easier when it's that when he's that level of you know top five top 10 it just makes everything else easier you don't have to build as good a roster as you would and then we've seen like other franchises just search for years and years and not even come close to finding a guy like russell wilson so you hang on to those guys i mean there are better situations for russell wilson to have success I think some Giants fans are asking for him to come to New York. That's not one of them. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> there, there are other situations where I think Russell Wilson yeah. will have a better opportunity to win Super Bowl Denver, because the Washington exactly because the Seattle Seahawks haven't not only drafted like 
overly talented players with the selections they've had outside of maybe DK Metcalf or Shad Penny now RB1, but they haven't drafted them at high value positions, right? The LJ Collier selection on interior defensive line, he has not panned out according to expectation. Jordan Brooks, who has not played all that well, but also is a low value position. Even if he is, you know, the next Darius Leonard or whatever, it's still a low value position. They need to get better at offensive tackle. They need to get better along the edge and they haven't. And that has kept them from reinserting themselves as deep postseason contenders. Not Russell Wilson, in my opinion. They move on from him. They're completely resetting, potentially across the board. If they keep him, you have to get aggressive with juicing the last few years you have. I mean, you just signed into this monster contract. You have to make a play there. Uh, last one, right? Or we have any more? Yep, last one. Um, Austin, your mom called. Oh, this is from my mom? Hey, guys. Austin's mom here. Um, I heard my baby boy's podcast is getting pretty popular. He sent out a number for people to call in. So I'm calling it. I'm so proud of you, baby. Um, also want to say that if anybody wants to call me and <laughs> chat with me, especially any of you young male listeners out there, if you're single or not single or handsome or not handsome or skinny or not skinny, just call me. My number is 420-6969. I'm happy to chat. I'd love to hear from you. Leave me all sorts of messages. Just call me Austin's mom or mommy like his friends all used to, and I'll know what you're calling about. Anyway, <laughs> I hope you get this, baby. Love you. Why oh, we... one more thing. Oh, well, yeah, um, no, Michael, not done. do you have any homemade, uh, home, what do you call it, uh, a uh, home home remedy like you called it a home remedy for chlamydia you gave me that one time <laughs> do you have any for gonorrhea the ones you gave me before worked like magic leave the show. <laughs> dude that was the first one where i was like oh man that one's this one that was <laughs> that was awkward <laughs> it's funny good joke ran long but uh, i liked it um my mom sounds exactly like that which is crazy i think that might actually be her but um Quinn, I like that we fit that one in. That was the first time yeah, I heard that one. No, that was the first stuff. time I'd heard it too. So <laughs> that was sensational. Um, I don't let's know how to respond. Let's uh, let's get to, yeah, let's get to the questions here and the written mailbag. Remember, if you don't want to leave a voicemail like that, you can definitely jump in uh, to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to leave a question there. That's where we'll answer those. Let's start with MMArt6767 on Apple Podcasts. Awesome podcast. These guys will make draft nerds out of anyone who listens in with their entertaining, insightful content. Hilarious, debaucherous stories. Debaucherous. Debaucherous, sorry. <laughs> Jamari Saylor, a Harley knower. UGA's left tackle for the last two seasons has been rock solid, both in 20 and 2021. How about to finish his career by holding his own against Will Anderson, likely twice, and making the consensus number one overall player on boards a non-factor in primetime? Don't forget, Ajabo didn't record a stat in the semifinal as well. Right now on boards, he's projected in the middle rounds as a guard, which is supposed to be his natural position despite taking limited snaps in college at it. Why doesn't this guy get more love? What are y'all some, some of y'all's takes on Jamari Saylor at the next level, both at tackle and at guard? Yeah, so I'm kind of in the camp of i'm not massive i'm not super high enough so you said mid rounds that's probably i'd call him a day three probably fourth fifth round guard um he plays left tackle has played left tackle for them i i, I do want to say the sort of georgia fans thumping their chest that ojabo and hutch didn't do much against them ojabo was on the field for 26 snaps they took him out because he's not great in run defense so he was not on the field much that game hutchinson still played well in my opinion they just game plan for him like they knew that they weren't gonna let in hutch take over that game it was a good game plan it worked but Hutchinson, when he had one on ones, was still winning. Like in the semifinal and final, Jamari Saylor's grades were fifty four point eight and sixty two point seven. So, the the what I'm worried about. I actually thought he was a lot better this year in terms of pass protection. Thought he was far less lungy, far more 
patient, but he's still kind of like stiff. He's still like flexibility is lower half. He does not sink into blocks. I think you saw it against Michigan. Like there's a play where he climbs up to the second level to block Junior Colson, who's a linebacker from Michigan, who is 6'2", 225, and he gets stood up by this guy, 6'2", 225. That, sh- that shouldn't be happening if you're a 325-pound guard, but it's just because and you even see it like his stance. He can't sink. He doesn't sink his hips the way you would ideally like. He reminds me a lot of Missouri tackle Larry Borum from a year ago. Oh, wow, yeah. Where it's just like he, he can play. Like he play in the NFL for sure. I'm just not certain like kind of his issues are ever going to be – you're just not you're not gonna get high end. Are you worried? I think I've seen a lot of conversations about his body type, right? I mean, he's kind of got a squattier frame. I think that's yeah, why he's definitely some, guard. Yes. Like, yeah. Some people are kicking. I mean, that's why a lot of people are kicking him. He's six six foot four, three twenty-five. Um, looks like a behemoth in this picture on George's website. My goodness, he is a monster. Um, but the grades have like not been all that great. Like from a pass protection perspective, he has limited, but a lot of that has been quick game. His grading and yeah. true pass sets is not yeah. among the best in tackles yeah. here. All right, this is from Nate J. Sutton. On Apple Podcasts. Is it fair to say that Vic Fangio was fired and not Ron Rivera? Wait, is it fair that Vic Fangio was fired and not Ron Rivera? Because I would say they have equal talent, just one is defense, one is defense and one is offense. See, can I say something? I love Nate, Jay Sutton, for listening to the show and putting a question here. But like those kind of comments always like kind of blow me away. Like head coach equal in talent. Like you don't know who these fucking people are. Like, I mean, I I, I still think it's very difficult to like judge head coaches in that light i don't know it's hard to say like they're equal in talent when like you don't know the decisions ron is making like you don't like you don't know like his calls necessarily right like and same with Vic fangio oh um okay like they, they themselves are equal yeah when i mean like especially when like offense. there's just so uh, much you don't know about fangio's approach to how he's hiring offensive staff how he's managing that offensive staff like, how, like you don't know that like head coaching is so much more difficult and like yeah there are like ways to compare him in some ways, but like saying like Ron Rivera and Vic Fangio equal, I just don't know if I can get on board. Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily understand the premise maybe because one on offense, one on defense, they're both defensive coaches. I mean, Rivera was a linebacker in the NFL, was a linebacker's coach for many years. Um, I honestly think the career arcs are like very similar as like coaches. It's just Fangio was in year three of his tenure. Rivera's only in year two. So you see the same shit from Rivera next year, same kind of like disappointing season you're getting what Fangio just got yeah so alrighty this is from Max underscore doomsday on Apple Podcasts how do you see the second tier edge guys shaping up beyond the current top 50 my J Sanders look good against Bama and it's more intriguing to me than David Ajabo who didn't do well against Georgia seems like Jermaine Johnson Drake Jackson my J could all make jumps with great testing how does it stack up Last year with Rousseau, Triano, Jolari. Also with Maje, he's going to test well, I believe, and also has an opportunity at the Senior Bowl to really turn it on. He's one of the more talented prospects going to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I think he could make – I think he could sneak in the first round should he go there and dominate. really dominate because he has that kind of tools. But I will say the second tier is way deeper this year. Like there's a lot of guys I like. I know I don't advocate for drafting, you know, edge rushers outside of the first round, but it's more like outside of the top 50 picks. Mm-hmm. Like getting to the third round, that's when I don't feel great about those guys because the NFL is good at identifying at least the body types and the physical skill sets that win at that position, and then they go highly. So I do think second tier in this class, the guys that aren't like top 10, like the 20 to 50 range, 20 to 50 range. Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, Drake Jackson from USC, Kingsley Yanegbari from South Carolina, Arnold Abiketti from Penn State. 
Maje Sanders, obviously from Cincinnati, and then Nick Benito from Oklahoma. I like that tier more than last year where we kind of had Greg Rousseau, Carlos Bassum, Basham, Ronnie Perkins, and Peyton Turner, and like Joe Tryon in that Way tier. more like that tier this year. So this tier is just like got a little bit more talent, a little more juice in that regard. I, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of that second tier. We got to get Trevor Sykema on the show because he texted me out of the blue. He's grinding the tape as well. Yeah. He said, Kingsley Nagbury stinks. He doesn't like Kingsley Nagbury. We'll have to get him on the show. Discuss. This is from Jim Jim 521 How do grades go from negative two to positive two on a, pl- on a two plus to a one to zero? Fuck me. How do grades, PFF grades, go from minus two to positive two? That's what we grade every single player on. Negative two to positive two at 0.5 increments. So negative two. Net minus one and a half, one, et cetera, and go to a zero to 100 scale for like grading, like letter grading, essentially. Also, how should we view them? Is above 90 elite, 80 to 90 great, 70 to 80 good? What's an average grade? If a player gets a zero every play, what's his grade from that game? Can I start? Yeah. One, the negative two to positive two is just like an algorithm to fit it to that scale, right? That's pretty common. Like you put it on a normal distribution, you're trying to get to a situation where, you know, players that are grading really highly are getting a lot of positives and moving that forward, you're going to move them close to the 90s. I don't think that's where the complexity is or the vagueness or the complexity is or where like the root question should be. It's what do they represent? I think that's what gets under discussed with PFF grades. They are descriptive. The 0-100 grades are descriptive of a game, a season, a career, not so much this player is an elite player. Like he has a 90 grade, he's an elite player. It is, they had an elite sample performance elite performance yeah elite performance in this stretch it's it's not it's more predictive than passer rating like year over year it's more predictive it's stickier it's more stable it's a better stat than passer rating or yards per attempt or tackles or um fumbles forced but it's not any more than like that description of those plays right like you get 10 tackles in a game you're not like an elite defender it's like no you had 10 tackles in a game you get a 90 grade in a game you're not immediately an elite defender. You had a 90-plus grade in this game, which is obviously very positive on PFF scale. Yeah, so the 90-plus would be at elite, 80 to 90 high quality, 70 to 80 called quality, 60 to 70, I'd say competent NFL player. Below 60 is probably like replacement-level NFL player. So, Not that's player, kind of performance. Per- player performance. Player yeah. performance. Yeah. Level of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the minus two to positive two is just like – Shit, it could be anything. Like, it's just a way of putting, a way of scaling what, how good a player did on an individual play. And it's like basically just like it's four levels of going above what you're expected to do, and then four levels of going below what you're expected to do. And it's so, like, that just, we have enough historical data, the zero through one through 100 grades take into account the historical data of what's kind of expected and fit it to basically what I just said of elite high quality, like the rarity of each of those. So that's how it works kind of. It's I'm honestly still not sure myself because I didn't do any of them and it's something that may be changing at some point here. Yeah, I think it will be changing in the future to make them you know easier to understand and, and um, obviously like more predictive, right? Like the biggest goal with the yeah. PFF grades is for them to be predictive. That's all anyone cares about. Like yeah. we need the grades 
Like we, to... the whole reason they were started is to try and identify metrics or a series of metrics to be more predictive than like tackles and yards per attempt. And that's like essentially what they've done with certain positions, offensive tackle, quarterback, and others, where they need to improve is some of the off-ball grading and stuff along those lines. All right, handful more questions here before we jump. This is from Harrison Duncan. PFF always advocates for trading down. Taking this to the extreme, I traded down in a mock draft in a mock draft simulator to construct a team. Could this lineup win a game this season? Carson Strong of Nevada, Jerion Ely, the Ole Miss running back, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State receiver, Trey Turner. I didn't. I don't know Trey Turner. Jakari Roberson, Wake Forest, Jalen Weidermeyer, Max Mitchell, Louisiana, Zion Nelson from Miami, Chris Paul guard, Alex Lindstrom, Jared, pa- Jared Patterson. It's a whole long list here. Edge, Drake Jackson, Edge, Zion, Tupuola, Fatui, Perion Winfrey of Oklahoma, DJ Dale at Alabama, defensive tackle. I'm not sure you need to read the rest. Yeah, okay. yeah. He the The conceit was... He used the mock draft simulator and kept trading down, kept trading down. This is what he gathered. Now, probably the best players of this, he got Garrett Wilson. He got Carson Strong. And the thing was, can you win games with this in the NFL? It's just this lineup. And it's like, you're one, no. You're not like your offensive line being, you know, Alec Lindstrom, Jarrett Patterson. You're screwed. Those guys are like going to get. Like you're not going to have an impact player. You're just going to be bad in pass protection. You have a rookie quarterback behind a bad pass protection offensive line. It's not good. Now, what are your chances of from this hitting? You know, four competent starters probably very high. Yeah, and it's kind of like speaks to the we like two players better than one because of how probabilities work. Is the long, long story short. No, and uh, I think I was going to read through that whole list, but obviously it is a lot of just like day two, day three players, right? Yeah. Like just getting guys outside the top one. All right, this is from Toddy's Boy. Two more questions here before we jump. Toddy's Boy on Apple Podcasts. Why didn't Tyson Campbell make all your all-rookie team or at least get an honorable mention? I know he struggled early in the season, but he's been great in the second half of the season, and I feel he's played better than Newsom and Stokes. Yeah, I mean, it's still like a season award, though. Is the pr- is kind of the problem, and he yeah. just dug too big of a hole he gave up 412 yards in his first five games yikes he was just like you said it wasn't good and yeah he wasn't good at the beginning of the season if he played like he did the second half of the season the whole season he would have so this is kind of the he probably was better at second half of the season than like eric stokes was but against full season award last thing from mendozi qm how would you rank the past two drafts first round off to tackles i love this question i do too all right here we go number one Tristan Horfs, number two, Rashawn Slater. I'm jumping Slater over Sewell. I think that's fair. I think it's, just, I think it's 100% fair. That Sewell could get there in time. Slater, you just know. Like, you take certainty, bird in the hand, worth two in the right tackle. What? <laughs> I was trying to. I hated that. I hated it too. All right, number four, Andrew Thomas, Giants left tackle. He played a lot better this year, obviously injured, but he was very good in pass protection this that, season. That, that was your preseason OT1. Yeah. And He's, I know Tristan Wirfs has obviously passed him. He's ahead of him there. But like they were eight nine on PFS draft where they were yeah. tight. They were tight. They were tight. But I, I do think after the first year, some people were like, Are you high? Yeah. Some people wanted Wills ahead of him, Beckton ahead of him, but he's kind of panned out better than maybe people expected. I also have a take that'll save, but like buy Jets offensive Giants offensive lineman futures. Like go sign uh Will Hernandez this offseason because uh, they were just so poorly coached that you can't be worse. Fair. They're, they're going to be better, <laughs> wherever they go next. Um, five, go Makai Becton. He was that good as a rookie. Obviously gets injured, I believe, the very first week. Didn't play again this season, but I still believe Jedrick Wills, like all six of those guys, Jake Wills at number six here, you got your money's worth. You know, those were good picks, all of those. Number seven, Christian Derisaw. 
And honestly, he's been very good too. I'm encouraged if I'm a Vikings fan from what I saw from here. But then there is a clear tier of those seven. It's probably a clear tier of six than Darisaw in his own tier. And then there's like this tier of shit. Oh, shit is more what I meant, like TBD. And it's Alex Leatherwood at eight. And I'm probably going to catch some shit for this. But I think Isaiah Wilson at nine, even though he obviously isn't on an NFL roster right now, the Tennessee Titans off tackle. But it's because Austin Jackson, you're still having to pay him for him to play like shit. You don't have to pay Isaiah Wilson anymore. So Austin Jackson's at number 10. Rough. You put Isaiah Wilson ahead of Austin Jackson. Yeah, because you think the money's gone. Austin Jackson, you're still like feeding, hoping. Dolphins fans, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's rough. I mean, I think the, the bigger takeaway from that outside of dunking on Isaiah Wilson and Austin Jackson is this, this tackle class has been sick, these last two. And this upcoming one is dope. I mean, there's yeah. still a lot of talented tackles. Charles Cross, Evan Neal, yeah. Iki Aquano, some really talented offensive linemen in this upcoming class. Let's get to now the interview with uh, Nate Tice from, obviously, Bleach Report, The Athletic, on Twitter, uh, a legend on, on the show. Now joining in, Tailgate is an absolute friend of the show and a treat online. You have to follow this guy on Twitter, Nate Tice, Nate underscore Tice on Twitter. You also probably heard him on the fantastic, the fantastic, the athletic football show. He also has a Substack silent count that I know you're grinding to get some more content on here in the near future. <laughs> now that it is the offseason and it is draft season, Nate, it's always great yes. to get you on the show. Really appreciate it. No, I know that. Uh, sorry, anyone that has subscribed to the Substack, it'll be it'll be a little more frequent. It's quality over quantity at this point in time. That's what I'm trying to sell. But thank you. I, I think in wrestling terms, what you just did is you put me over. You uh, <laughs> you really you really know how to sell me. And yeah, I feel like I'm ready to go for the belt now. So I appreciate that intro, Austin. <laughs> if anything, I forced you to put some more content out. Your your silent count subscribers, like, man, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready now. Now you're on it. Now you I have knew to. Once do I had it. a reply going like, hey, I really enjoyed this, but. Uh, What's your next one? And I was like, okay, I got you. I got you, man. I got you. Uh, pump something out. Uh, protections, sure. <laughs> so hoping this offseason will be a little more frequent for anybody that is, is wondering. Something I didn't even mention in the intro, and a big reason why we wanted to get you on, is you also do a lot of the scouting for Bleacher Report's you know, NFL draft efforts. I think you do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. That's definitely yep. something I want to touch on, especially in this year's wide receiver class. And in this year's quarterback class, I think there's going to be a lot of really good conversation. But let's let's turn back the clocks a little bit, focus on last year's draft and the rookies going in. Where I'd want to start, honestly, is I know you. we had you on this show before the 2021 NFL draft, and you were one of, I think, few people that had Devontae Smith over Jamar Chase. And he has been yeah. phenomenal this year. Both have, right? Devontae Smith has been yes. absolutely outstanding for the Philadelphia Eagles. And obviously, Jamar Chase probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Wonderful. Year. He's been outstanding. <laughs> Did you see this coming, right? Like, you know, Mike Renner was as high on Jamar Chase as anyone. And I don't even know if you yeah. saw this coming, right? Like, this has been an absurd, obviously, NFL record-breaking season for Jamar Chase, now paired back up with Joe Burrow. Did you see this coming? And I guess just how shocked are you of this rookie season for Jamar Chase? That was what was so fun about that class last year was those top four guys to me. I'm including Bateman in there and, and Waddle, yeah. of course, is all of them had lottery pick grades. Like, all of them going in the top 15, top 16, like, it was like, yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, like, that's, that's what was so cool about that class. And with Chase... It was the one hesitation I had with him was like, oh, will he be able to play bully ball in the NFL? Well, he can. Yeah. And it was, he answered that week after week. He was able to answer that. So I was like, okay, yeah. And then even in my write-up, like uh, I was going back. It's really funny just rereading the stuff already. I'm kind of glad that's publicly known because like even in my write-up, I'm like, 
you know, if he, he wins that stuff though, like he's going to be a touchdown machine because it's like his body control is outstanding. And it's just, it's been really cool. Like his after the catch stuff, I, he has more juice to him than I even gave him credit for. Yeah. I thought he was good and he tested really well, but last year's testing numbers, I was kind of like, everything had a grain of salt last year. <laughs> you know, it was a little like everyone had a little bit of home field advantage on those and, but he plays that speed. So it's been cool. I still think Devonte Smith is going to be up there as well. Like, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the thing. And he, and of course, Waddle break the receptions record and then Bateman when he played was very effective. It was just that he battled a lot of injuries this year. I think all those guys are going to be like, not only like good players, but like pro bowl contenders, which is really cool with the receiver class, even comparing it to the year before, but it, it honestly, this is what they are. And that's actually, you already hinted at this year's class. There's so much discussion on it. And some people are like, Oh, it's not top heavy just talking about the whole class i actually think that makes it more fun yeah because now it's like hey what do you see and like really it's like you can sell yourself on all these different guys receiver quarterback even running back as well and tight end actually that's a decent tight end class in the middle rounds so it's like but just going with those positions it's like now you kind of see what thigh the beholder is and <laughs> maybe who's actually watching what which is gonna be really fun one thing i love that you do on your on the bleach report draft boards is get a put a grade to these guys that transfers year on year on year. And so like last year you had Devonte Smith wide receiver one with an 8.9 this year though, you have a guy with a higher grade. I've been saying that last year's class is kind of a unicorn with three guys at the top. I didn't think any of these guys in this year's class could touch that trio, but you have Drake London, the USC wide receiver yeah. with a 9.0. So that you see him as a better prospect than anyone coming out in last year. What do you see from him that has sold you on that higher grade? size uh and that's that was the thing i i am a big i don't really like taking receivers in the top eight top ten unless they are big freaks like the and i know that's easy to say with the julio jones i think any position right big freaks it's whatever wants exactly (laughs) and that's the thing is as much as i love Devontae smith and even my write-up all those those top four guys are just gushing write-ups all of them i even have the caveat caveat and all of them going like well the size is why I didn't put it because our 9.0 is top 10 pick like mm-hmm. lock top 10 doesn't matter scheme proof that's how I view it so like Devonte Smith it's like he's you know built like a rail and <laughs> Jamar Chase you know I, I had some, he was 205 playing bully ball so it's like ah you know it's not that 6'3 you know Julio Jones freak of freak kind of guys Drake London though and the the number one thing uh, kind of going against him is people are going oh it's separation stuff he is so much more of a fluid athlete than I think he's getting credit for. Not only just the yards after the catch, but like when he's running a route, everyone everyone keeps saying the separation stuff. I don't see that because the quarterbacks are late on every throw. Like they're hitching three times and then they throw it. So now, yeah, the separation isn't there, but he generated that separation. I just think with size, his ball skills, I just defer to bigger receivers. I just think he's one of those guys that's more scheme proof than maybe these other guys that sometimes with size, they don't really, they get into a place where they have to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, they might have some issues right away, but they're still like lottery pick talents. It's just Drake London with the size, the athleticism that he has, the ball skills, the route running is better than I even was originally thinking that would be like, he's a legit can sink because he's such a good athlete and he can like actually like catch a screen and take it the distance. Cause he has such good body movement. It's like, I think that's kind of more of a complete package. It's, it's more of a flavor thing, but it's just what I kind of defer to. It's like, I would take this guy in the top 10, more eight, nine, 10 than number two or three, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, this is the type of guy I see in that kind of range. 
I want to focus on some of the other receivers. I love how high you are on Chris Olave. Chris Olave, the Ohio yes. State receiver. I'm a big fan of Olave's game. But I want to know if you have heard Mike's comp for London. Have you heard Mike's comp? No. Mike, Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Yes, yeah. and I I can see it. I think that's the thing. With uh, Yes. Like more than I think I put him at Mike Evans because I was just being lazy. Uh, <laughs> he, he has more yards after the catch ability than Mike Evans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Evans is straight line. And so like, that's where I see that Brandon Marshall to him. Like, it's just cause like Brandon Marshall would throw guys off of him and then just, you know, get up field really quick. So I see that like mm-hmm. completely. And that's the, that's why I'm so high on him is that you put him in any type of offense. He's going to like perform because he's going to be a mismatch. Like there's not many corners that just have that size and athleticism to stick with them. That's why it's like, I, yeah, that's what Brandon Marshall was on his peak, right? Like yeah. it was basically, how do you guard this guy for 60 plays? I mean, when I was a kid, a big Raiders fan, Brandon Marshall, every single time when he was with the Broncos, would just put us in an absolute blender. That guy was incredible. He had that single game receptions record, I think against, I don't know if it was against the Raiders, oh, yeah, but it felt like it was. Right. It felt like it was. And Drake London, you look at the box score this year, right? Even just looking at the box score, targets right. and receptions were absurd yep. like you talk like about 20 targets yeah. 15 receptions. Yeah. <laughs> and they, people mention the separation stuff right which i think is lazy because he's so big and they're like oh he can't do it because he's this big you are going to separate when you're when everyone knows you're getting the ball right i mean you're getting the ball like 20 <laughs> you're getting targeted 20 times and they still can't stop you yeah. like you still can't yeah. you. um these ohio yeah. state receivers you have chris olave yes. as your wide receiver too garrett wilson who's yep. the other kind of phenom coming out of ohio state you have him as your wide receiver six right now behind jameson yep. williams Jahan dotson and Traylon burks explain the differences between those prospects and i guess why you're higher on olave over wilson yeah i i'm a little le- uh, lower on wilson than i think others are because i do think he has more of a ceiling than a lot of these other guys but i also think he has more bus potential um he struggles a little bit against press which is always a just a little alarm bell for me like just some guys struggle with it because they just aren't don't see it every week but like what a game against penn state where he was productive he did have like times where every time they pressed him he was just getting rocked back but his ball creation like his creation after the catch is so good like he is a truly dynamic player it's just that i see more bust potential with him than others but i still give him like a legit first round grade and that's like I, I speaking to how good these classes are, I'm a pretty tough grader on receivers. And when I first started doing this thing for the bleach report, I'm like, I'm barely going to give these guys first round grades. And then I'm giving like five guys a year because these classes are so good. But like, that's how I, I see Wilson just a little lower, but he has that potential to be like a Brandon Ayuk type mm-hmm. where it's like, he catches the ball on a slant. It's like, he can take it. Like he has that dynamic ability. It's just, I think it might be a r- little rougher go for him. Like, I wouldn't want to draft him and go, day one, you're getting 10 targets, 12 targets a game. Yeah, I'd be more like, hey, let's make him a number two and ease him in if we have, like, another vet with the, with the to play with him. Maybe, like, a Chargers with Keenan Allen or something like that. Um, on the flip side, like, Olave is just, like, plug him and play. Like, I, I compared him to Calvin Ridley, and I stand by that one because just his route running ability, his ball skills, like, he is body control – he can create after the catch. He's not just a slow four, like four, five, eight guy. Like he actually can like make stuff happen after the catch and make a guy miss. I just think he's a total package and honestly, just like a no brainer. Like it's, I think his, his floor is so much higher than a lot of these other guys. And then his ceiling is still pretty good as well. I, I really just see him as a plug and play type. Like whoever gets him is like, okay, we're good. Like he's our Z receiver for the next decade. He might have that that high, high ceiling, but I think it's like, he's really just scheme proof and really, I won't say bust proof because no player is, but just has a lot of, a lot, a lot to him. He's Mm -hmm. like a pros pro kind of guy. Yeah. Olave, I think is like 
an almost an easy evaluation because that's just like he's good. Also, like, a lot know, of like, tape, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, played a lot. Exactly. Like you just like kind of know at this point. I want to transition though the quarterback. It, it, okay. He runs all the routes, so it's yeah. not like you go like, oh, he only runs two routes. It's like no, he's running like legit NFL routes. So you're like, yeah, okay, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you mentioned Ridley too. I dropped like a tweet. I remember tweeting like about Olave before the season. He's a Calvin Ridley clone. Like he's yeah. a Calvin Ridley clone. I think that uh, I see that comp with you as well. Go ahead, Mike. I want to transition to the quarterback class and go back yeah. to the rookies here. Not not this year's okay. one quite yet. But the rookies, last year, going into the draft, you had them ranked Trevor Lawrence 1, Justin Fields 2, Trey Lance 3, Zach Wilson 4, Mac Jones 5. Have you seen anything from these this rookie tape to adjust those rankings? You got to bring up Davis re- Mills. I'm not gonna- oh, Davis Mills, yeah. <laughs> not bringing up Davis Mills. How would you re-rank them now, those five? Um, I, would, I would maybe have – Man, I, I feel pretty good about that. I would maybe have Mac Jones, you know, closer to Zach Wilson more than like his four A, four B, as opposed to four and five. Um, actually, it's kind of been like uh, it sounds cocky, but it's like kind of been how I thought they would kind of play out. Trey Lance showed so much more in this last start that against Houston that makes me go like, okay, that's kind of what we were seeing at North Dakota State, not that first start where it was like, okay, it was up and down um, against the Cardinals. But I really kind of see it the same way. I think the blemishes that Trevor Lawrence has had just been the situation. Watching him on film, is it's ridiculous what he can do. Like his processing is so advanced, his pocket movement, his eyes. And then on top of it, he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six really. And like a really good athlete. Like that's what we keep under. Uh, we always say it. It's one of those like when Andrew Luck would run, everyone's like, he ran a 4'6'5". Remember that? It's like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, same thing. Like mm-hmm. he can move and do all those things. I think Fields really came on second half of the year. I think just getting a better offense around him that's not West Coast throwing it quick, like actually letting him push the ball and do what he was. He's just going to be a big game hunter, which is what we kind of knew out of Ohio State, the big plays and sacks. Like that's what's that's what he's going to be. I uh, like he's a bigger Russell Wilson. Like that's what yeah. he's going to be. Like maybe a little a little better uh, pre-snap. I already talked about Trey Lance and then Zach Wilson. I kind of was always fearing that it would be a harder transition, not just because he's come from BYU, but just how he operated there. He had a lot of plays where he was creating out of pocket, out of structure. He has to learn to kind of like hang in there and one to two to three. So I'm still not like down, down, like, oh, he's a bust. But it's like, I kind of figured that's kind of like how it would be. It takes some time for him to acclimate to the NFL. And they threw him into the fire every week. Like it's not just the fields getting to sit out for two weeks. They're like, Zach Wilson, go. Like, you're our guy. We have no backups. Go. Like, which is not ideal, which you want for a rookie quarterback. <laughs> and then Mac Jones, we kind of, I think, especially as the weather's gotten colder, we've kind of seen his some of his limitations, but his processing and everything is so good, in which I compared him to Chad Pennington, and I still stick by that. Like, I think that's just really what he's going to be, just a good starter. Like, once in a while, makes a Pro Bowl with, with uh, what's around him, but just like a good, solid starter at the quarterback position. So, Long story short, I feel the same. <laughs> Long story short, um, Nate Tice is perfect, so that's where we're at. <laughs> I know, I know. There's not much I would change. I know that's what stinks. It's not like, oh yeah, this, this, this. It's yeah, just feel the same. No, I was say I completely agree with you in terms of how you would see it. I wouldn't change like everyone. Mac Jones has obviously played the best in terms of just pure statistically, but do you think like not moving up Mac Jones above any of this four because this is just it with him? Like, there's no other place for him to go. Is that why? I yeah it's like his room to grow like he can still get five percent better but mm-hmm. the other guys can get 20 percent better yeah. like you know and then and pass him and i think he just had the perfect situation um i just think as this as the season went along you kind of saw everyone once the tape gets out there everyone starts learning what you're doing like it's just it's it's inevitable you just want to see how the guys transition off of that you could see him creating some the colts game was like a really good game 
that's kind of like his high upside and downside first half Colts were squeezing on everything they're like they knew exactly where he's going to go he had to start double clutching the ball that's not how he wins but in the second half all of a sudden he started pushing the ball and it was like oh okay there you go there it is he's starting to hit some overthrows and some tougher throws but that's the thing is the other guys everything doesn't have to be perfect mm -hmm. mac jones it's like he has that downside where what if what if he gets some o-line injuries and all of a sudden that like he's getting pushed in the pocket like the other guys can create off of it so that's kind of like yeah it's you talk out both sides of your mouth with him and that's what it's tough with him because it's like no he's good it's just that the other guys might get better yeah. <laughs> and, and especially once everything slows down around them and they don't deal with urban Meyer as a head coach. And I think, <laughs> I think some of that, I think some of that is also reflected in some of the grading, right? I think weeks one through eight, Mac Jones was like a top five graded quarterback according to PFF. And then since then, you think he's bottom five, like he has really fallen off towards the back half of the season according to like PFS charting. So I think you've seen some of that. I think you mentioned as the weather has gotten colder. So has Mac Jones. I want to use that as a transition to talk about this, year's quarterback class and something you know yeah. mike brings up which i think bleach report does a great job or you do a great job of is these numbers right these like grades next to these players you have desmond ritter the cincinnati quarterback hometown quarterback here as the number one quarterback but not just that an 8.4 right ahead of kenny pickett yeah. who's a 7.7 .7. matt corral falls off even further at 7.3 you see desmond ritter at least right now an arm and a leg really from from, from the outside looking in at this you know, at these grades ahead in this quarterback class i guess speak to that uh, evaluation yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to show. So it's it's good that like even without me explaining it, you're like, yeah, you have a, a chunk because that's that's what I wanted to kind of like show with these guys is I think Ritter has more to him than we've given him credit for. Like he, and I've had plenty of Twitter threads on it. And I'm gonna now I'm gonna be latched onto him for the rest of my life. But it's I think with Ritter is once you start watching tape on him, you start appreciating the little things that he does. I think a lot of in our head what we have about him is oh he's a good athlete. And then, you know, he's not really a quarterback. Watching him this year, what was good is I got to dive into him this year kind of fresh. I watched one game of him last year, two actually two games last year, and then watched him fresh this year. His processing is so, so good. Like, he actually has advanced level. He gets to the number two, the number three reads, and he shortcuts reads. I actually was texting a friend about this this morning, is that shortcutting the read is, okay, it's not going one to two to three. It's knowing one is dead and two is probably going to be dead because of the coverage, and I get to three. He's doing that with these concepts, and it's like they're real NFL concepts. Like, it's not a lot of gimme throws for him. They do some quick game. They have this little RPO that they like, but it's not – they don't base the whole offense off that. And on top of it, he's a really good athlete. I, I, I'm i going to guess he runs like a more mid four or five, something of that sort. He's tough. Um, he's got like – he layers the ball. He knows how to kind of like get it over intermediate defenders. He knows how to drive the ball. I would say the only downside is that at the beginning of the games, he gets a little too amped up. And I think you can see it best in the Notre Dame game. The first drive, he sprays two throws. And you're like, what the hell was that? Like, And then after the game, he settles in. And it's like all of a sudden he's just hitting seam benders. Mike knows. He yeah, hits seam benders right against them. Yeah, you remember some of those throws. And then you see the athleticism. He's pulling away from guys. And Notre Dame has good talent on their defense. It's like, ooh, okay. You watch the Bama game. They let him loose in the second half. The first half, everything's so tight. Like everything, just the whole offense. But then all the other guys, like Pickett, while I'm a little more – I, I compare Pickett to Taylor Heineke, which is not a knock. It's like it's kind of <laughs> like I just want a perspective of what he is. He creates a lot of the stuff, though, in structure isn't what I wanted to see. Like his stats were great. You you love him as a football player. Um, but I thought his maybe his processing would be a little more advanced for a guy that's going to be 24-year-old rookie. 
it's that like he goes one and done with his reads, which some sometimes can be an alarm bell. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's just the offense they're in. But like with him, it's like those are reads that he can keep progressing from the pocket. Like he looks to start scrambling a little bit too too quickly, like for what I like. Um, and yeah, you never know. Like in the senior bowl, they talk to him, they go, Oh, that's just the offense he was in. But he was with Mark Whipple, who runs NFL stuff how they kind of game plan their stuff. He had a good old line. It looked like he had good receiving talent. So he's in a better situation. So I was kind of, I don't know to say disappointed, but more like he's fine. He, you know, he's solid as a prospect, but not someone I would take in the top 20. And that's kind of why I did the grade, how I graded it. Same as more of a middle second guy. The other guys corral like RPO monster. Uh, it's really just watching him progress too. And that's, that's a whole thing. Is it, is it cause he can't or cause he won't, is it kind of like, is this just the offense that he's in or is it because they ran that offense because they're trying to hide that he can't do the other stuff like that's trying to figure out what those types of guys and i think malik willis is really fun but just has long long way to go before he can be like an nfl quarterback just because the offense he was in how he progressed how his pocket movement is he's a great athlete but like he created a lot of his own sacks because he'd work back in the pocket and that's in college so now imagine the nfl when guys are really really fast and really really big like that can be a little bit of an issue but uh, if someone takes him in like the second or third it's a project like in that it's not but if you take him in the first you're holding on to your hat like whoever drafts him's got to you know really hope that he comes on pretty quickly yeah i think they actually got uh, back to ritter that got underrated throughout this season with cincinnati that he was playing behind a dog shit offensive line in terms of pass protection he was <laughs> saving them in a lot of those games yes. by being as quick as he was in them so that was something that like you know, a lot of these guys we see playing at like Oklahoma, Alabama, they, they don't have They're to. They're hanging out. Exactly. They, they have that time. <laughs> Desmond Reader did not have that advantage. So how high, he's obviously QB1, how high you, a GM, would you be willing to take this guy to say, hey, this is my franchise quarterback. You have, you know, XYZ pick in the draft. What's the highest you're willing to go taking Desmond Ritter? It's always the half round grade inflation. So I have like a late first on them. So yeah, like the teens, mm -hmm. like, but if I took, he still has his blemishes. Like, that's the thing. He's not a perfect prospect. Like if you relay him to the grades we had last year, I have him just below Wilson and, but above Mac Jones. Cause I think there's still upside to be tapped there. The improvement he showed this year is ridiculous. Like compared to what he was before, but I would say the early teens, um, I think the Broncos are like, are they 11 or nine? They, I don't know where they're at, but, but like that early kind of teen slot, it was, I would actually take him. I actually think that's a guy that I would take a chance on over the other guys. Cause I just think what he's shown is already cool. He's shown that he's a psycho competitor and works hard. Cause like the improve, you don't improve that much just by luck. And he's a good athlete. He seems like a good kid. I don't, I don't know anybody personally, but it's kind of like, and there's more room to growth. There's more room for growth that he's not a finished product already. So that's why I would take him a little, you know, you get the half round grade inflation with quarterbacks. That's just how it goes. So I'd say early teens though. I, and I would, that's the one guy I would take a chance on being here in Cincinnati. I know that they rave about his personality. He's a guy that's, I think already married. He might already have a yeah. kid. He's yeah, like settled he's in, settled in. Yeah. And also um, I remember talking to Mike Warren, their former running back. And he said, the guy, the biggest trash talker on the team is Desmond Ritter. It's not even close. So I think beyond the football field, there's maybe some, uh, some fire to him as well. I'm actually, you want your quarterbacks to be psycho. Exactly. That's, exactly. It's, it's an understated thing is you want your quarterbacks to be a little bit off, like just a little bit psychotic. What's, what's funny is I'm actually talking to him in like an hour and a half. I have, 
have an interview oh, scheduled with him soon. <laughs> so I'll make sure to bring that up. Hey, are you a psycho? No, but uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Nate, I really they appreciate know how to you. Hide it. Yeah, they know how to hide you it. have to hide it. You have to hide it. <laughs> Nate, this has been fantastic as always. I really appreciate you jumping on the show. And like I said before, follow Nate Tice on Twitter. You can't, you can't miss him. You can't miss him. This guy, Nate underscore Tice on Twitter, has a Substack that's going to be turning out. I think like six to ten articles per day here in the next few weeks. Oh, and then uh, Bleacher Report, all that stuff. Nate, thanks again for jumping on the show. Thank you guys for having me. This is a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Absolutely loaded, dude. Nate Tice coming on. Obviously went through the wild card games. All that stuff was an absolute treat. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcast. Go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to leave your voicemails. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to leave your reviews. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Quinn, Mike Renner, Tailgate.